So yeah, Geezer, did you know that uh, Bruce Lee's goddaughter is actually a porn star? Oh yeah, and what yeah, was it named? Well, apparently people say that that Bruce Lee was the uh, the godfather of MMA, and I, I just didn't I didn't know that I didn't I didn't know his his, his old um, goddaughter was a was a pornographer. Oh no, that's terrible. Oh god, uh, so oh, that's great. Actually, Emma Emma, <laughs> brilliant. Is that Emma Space May, as in like the the name Emma and then M A E? I must be. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Oh, 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 maybe he's talking about mixed martial arts. Oh, that kind of MMA. Oh, that's disappointing. And welcome to the That's Why They Were Quality podcast, where we talk about all things that are quality. In this episode, we're talking about one of the most legendary icons of all time. He is someone who's changed the face of martial arts films. He's changed the face of of, of culture, of the perception of Asians across the world. Um, he's changed the face of martial arts has inspired some of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time, such as John Jones, Stephen Thompson, uh, Jordan Pickford, and, and Conor <laughs> McGregor. You know, the list goes on. Oh, God. Where we left the story on the old last episode was just after Bruce Lee had got into a fight with uh, what one Jack man. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a, a legendary fight. I like the, the, the whole rundown we did that. Well, I don't know. Hopefully, people listen home when they're uh. listening. But I'm when you run it down, and when I was speaking as well, I was sort of there mentally as well. I had like the picture in my head of being there in that badassery fight, and um, it was a good way to end it. And now is really where his his career is gonna kick off and kick off to be the man he was is really known to be, and that was his his acting. You know, his five really famous films, the the thing that put him into the stratosphere, essentially. Definitely, yeah, it's gonna be. Um... It's, I'd say four, well, I suppose you could include Game of Death, yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is where he's, he's on the journey to, uh, to stardom. Um, so, so we, we jump back in after the one Jack Command fight. Um, so apparently Bruce didn't want people to know about the fight. Um, he didn't want people back in China knowing about the fight. Um, and uh, yeah, he met up with one Jack man and tried to make up with him. And one Jack man, you know, I think he agreed to to not say anything because, uh, you know, I think he, he probably he didn't want beat. it. <laughs> he got beat, you know. He didn't want it to to get around, you know. He wanted to keep keep a strong booking. <laughs> Saw yeah. losers even in the uh, kung fu world then. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, even though Bruce won the fight, uh, he was annoyed that he won it in three minutes. He believed he should have been able to win the fight in the first ten to twenty seconds. Uh, and you know, again, perfectionism at its finest. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the thing about Bruce Lee. He's like he, he's always been an advocate of use what's the most effective. That's why I was saying like in in these fights, he advocates eye pokes. It's whatever's going to get it done like the quickest that do that and it's one of them where on in street fights they do usually only last like a, a short amount of time and uh I, yeah i can i can understand in a way why he was like frustrated you know but, they but, say yeah. rick flair is the dirtiest player in the game i think bruce lee actually was the first to be that 
he is, it's true. You spied Ric Flair. He's the limousine riding, jet flying. Um, you know. I don't know if he was quite limousine riding. No, probably not. No, but he, uh, if he lived, maybe, maybe. Yeah, him and him and Ric Flair going to a five uh, five Ooh, star match. Imagine oh. them in their dapper suits. Oh, to the club. Oh, oh, oh! I'd be flash floods in wherever <laughs> wherever they were. Uh, he he his mother's style of of Wing Chun, uh, he thought let him down, as uh, the short and quick techniques weren't effective against an opponent that stayed out of range. Bruce also wondered if he wanted to teach martial arts the rest of his life. The press had spin the story of the fight. And the fight got some negative press. And this fight also made Bruce quite a lot of enemies in the Bay Area scene. His martial arts schools also weren't doing very well financially. Uh, the Oakland branch could only attract 12 members. And James's wife, uh, that's uh, James Lee, James's wife had died of cancer. So, you know, obviously he was, you know, a bit preoccupied. And, uh, and the Oakland branch would, would soon close down. Maybe. Sad stuff there. Um, and it's around about this time where Bruce Lee starts getting into television, American television. Uh, in Hollywood, there was a hairstylist called Jay Sebring who used to style the hair of celebrities such as Warren Beatty, uh, Frank Sinatra, Steve McQueen. I don't know, imagine Ch- Chaz and Dave. Chaz and Dave. Well, Chaz and Dave. Come on, uh, I've seen that one coming. Yeah. Got to come up with so many ones. I'm just reporting the facts. I don't. I don't book the facts. You know, I can't change it. Uh, and and yeah, he was married to Sharon Lee, uh, Sharon Tate. Sorry, he was married to Sharon Tate. Uh, J. Sebring, uh, and and he, and somewhere Quentin Tarantino is just coming up with a film idea right at this moment. Oh yeah, I, I actually can't wait till we uh, touch upon that. I'm sure we will. Just to get your opinion on like his betrayal in Once Upon a Time, and but obviously I'm sure we'll cover that. Yeah, it's one of them where um it it was. Like the incident they talk about, obviously the um the fight with the stuntman. Um, he it, it I don't think it happened, but there is a similar incident that could have been based on, which we'll we'll come to. But in in the way like he, the way he was portrayed, like all being arrogant and all of that, I can't believe that to be honest yeah. with you. See that aspect of it, yeah, it was believable, but also yeah. he was made to look a bit like an idiot, like a buffoon. Yeah. Was he? Was he? No, he was. I mean, I imagine he was arrogant. He was cocky. Which, fair enough. If you are that much of a badass, if you can kick the shit out of most people and get any girl you want, then fair play. But I don't think he came. I don't think he was essentially like a buffoon. He wasn't really like an, an idiot. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't think he was an idiot. No. He's, well, like you know, he read three thousand books. He was definitely. <laughs> he was. He was definitely. An intelligent well, man. Bruce by... Lee's bibliography history, actually, and I uh, need to brush up on mine because of that. I would like to uh, also, uh, when we touch upon the film, I'm going to just give a mini review of that film because I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is one of the most overrated films I've ever seen in my life. It, it, yeah, it, it was one of them where, like, I didn't, I'm not going to rewatch it, but I, I, I didn't feel like my time was wasted. I felt like, yeah, it was all right. You <laughs> I know? got two and a half hours of my life. It was pretty wasted. I mean, really, it was very, um, it was cool. And the cinematography was 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 pretty good. And it was 60s Hollywood and that. But that shit's mm. been done before. 
Like they didn't break any new ground, and like just there was no there was no story for most of that film. To be honest. Yeah, it was it was it was what, what I liked about it was um, just the fact that like I like watching stuff from ages ago. Like that's why I've liked actually doing this Bruce Lee research. It just puts you in a different time, just a time that like is relatable because obviously it's not like it was like seven hundred years ago. But also, it was completely different to how it is now. A completely different world. It's like that's like why I watch Love Island. It's like a completely different world. So like I can understand the yeah. words they're saying, but you actually speak to a girl and she like she says she likes you. I just I can't relate to that at all. And no, it's, yeah, it's not. A, it's an uncommon concept in this day and age. It is watching like for me, Love Island is like a sci-fi program. It's like <laughs> what kind of planet are these guys on? What? <laughs> How did he get those abs? I've seen people with them bodies. What's that? Some futuristic dystopian film for you, isn't it? No, well, I'm in the dystopia. That's like the that's like the yeah. division of like the perfect world. But yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. It's a good point, actually. I am sort of. A, do you think Bruce Lee could come up the way he did in this day and age, or do you feel with the society we live in, there's too many snowflakes because he can't just come up like that fighting style by any means necessary and, and make it from it? Um, I don't know. It's one of them where uh, I don't think. I think it's hard to become the legend. Like I don't know if there's going to be another legendary figure like a bruce lee or a michael jackson in this in this day and age because because of like like you know stuff like podcasts and, and interviews and tabloid press everyone knows everything about everyone so there's no mystery anymore so I, in terms of i don't think anyone would ever be as big as bruce lee uh, but I, I, I think it's this effective like um fighting anywhere i think i think it would uh i think he could still make it today i think if he was in ufc he could have made it it's a good point, actually. Another thing this makes him stand out is the mystique over him. He's got that mystique factor to him, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. He's got. There's a lot of stuff, you know, doing this. Hopefully, there's a lot of stuff for audience that, that you didn't know before that we're going to impart into you. And if any females we're out gonna there, we're going to break kayfabe. Breaking the kayfabe. Breaking the kayfabe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was okay. I thought it was all right, but I, I can I can understand why people didn't like that film. I mean, st- like, yeah, all right, but, like, it got an Oscar and shit, didn't it? I'm pretty sure. And, like, Tar- Tar- yeah, and Tarantino's been applauded for this. This is probably his weakest film or second weakest film. Yeah, Hateful Eight, I thought, was a bit bollocks. I was a bit boring. Yeah, but... I quite liked that. Uh, I don't know. For me, I just thought it was a bit like Reservoir Dogs, but it's got a bit too similar to me. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't, yeah. It's one of them where um, n- none of his films are awful. No, no, I don't think he's got a shit film, like, but uh, this yeah. is on the list anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, married to Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring. And, um, yeah, and his, his barbers was actually a place where people could come and uh, hear all the industry gossip. Uh, one afternoon, a TV producer called William Dozer came by and uh, he was developing a Charlie Chan spin-off called Charlie Chan's Number One Son, where after Charlie Chan's murder, his son has to avenge his death and continue his legacy. And he said he wanted a Chinese actor for the role. 
at that time there wasn't a lot of Asian actors uh, to play roles of Asian people. Uh, there was only ever one Asian actor to star in, Amer- in an American TV series, the Chinese actress Anna Mae Wong. So uh, William Dozer, he didn't really have a massive like talent pool of people to call on for the role. So Jay Sebring, who, who was a student of Ed Parker, uh, and he actually went to the Long Beach Karate Championship, suggested someone he saw there, Bruce Lee. Uh, and Jay Sebring and Ed Parker showed William Dozer footage of Bruce Lee at the Long Beach Karate Championships. And um, William Do- Dozer called Bruce Lee to arrange a screen test. Uh, and and this is yeah where we see that that famous sc- screen test, which is used in all of the, you know, the documentaries and all of that. Um, but before he could, could go to the old screen test, uh, Bruce Lee, on the first day of the Chinese New Year, February the 1st, uh, we Bruce... Aquarius's unite. Is that where? Oh, yeah, the old February business, yeah. Yeah, um, the racist people of all time are born in February. The greatest or the most racist? It sort of broke up there. <laughs> Maggie wasn't born in February. She not born. Oh, okay, that's good. I hope she keep. Again, we're sorry for, for Maggie's opinions yeah. on the previous podcast. Apologise in advance. I'm sure it's coming. It's uh, it's around ten past nine. So usually she comes down for tea. It's about ten o'clock. So. Uh, yeah, she, she yeah she's um, I, I mean uh, what she was saying the other day, just uh, I, I, like the, the Italians aren't good at chess. I, I that's just ah. Uh, Ignorant views, ignorant views. I mean, that stereotype is just so <laughs> overplayed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but what did you think of the screen test? Uh, in all in all, I think it was a bit uh, like manu- I don't know, manufactured or that I don't know. It was a bit. I don't know what you well, think. Americanized in a way. Well, they they talk about it here. How um, I think that like one of the one of the consensuses was that his like accent. You know, he had a, You know, he he didn't have most clear to understand accent but i have no idea what they're on about i thought he was i thought it was quality i i was watching him and he was like he's just got the aura i think the only thing is is he he looks he's better when he looks older because he looked he looked really young like if he'd grown his hair out a little bit more he was a baby face and in Uh. all meanings weren't he like he he did look young another relatable thing uh to him from us as well i'd say Definitely, yeah. But I, I, I would, I thought he did well though. I, I, I would have yeah. cast him in whatever, whatever he needed to be casted in. I feel yeah. like when he was coming up on a lot of the interviews, they did sort of cut him off, didn't they? And they, they, they went in with preconceived notions that his English wouldn't be good, and you could tell that from the interview. Yeah, def- definitely, yeah, um, yeah. So on the first day of Chinese New Year, first of February, nineteen sixty-five, Linda Lee gave birth to a boy they gave him the english name brandon lee and the chinese name gok ho which meant national hero bruce was incredibly proud he three days later he went to la for the screen test with william dozer and bruce was nervous but he, but he grew into it you know after he could um, start to demonstrate his martial arts during the, the screen test and apparently yeah, he did really well in the sc- screen test uh, the next day he flew back to his wife and child and uh, three days after the screen test his father passed away that's busy three days that fuck <laughs> yeah that's just mental yeah, um, how'd you find the uh, the effort for all that i know it's, it's, it's mental mental yeah, yeah. complaining about you know the amount of pepsi that you're having it's not enough it's not enough 
Well, think of Bruce Lee, what he did in three days. You can go yeah. three days that from Pepsi, for fuck's sake. I know, I know. It's, it puts things into perspective. I mean, that, that pretty much right is enough material for a whole stand-up special in, in like, in like three days right there. Emotional roller coaster. Emotional roller coaster. So, so Bruce went back to China for the funeral. Uh, with his inheritance money, he bought himself three tailored suits. So I suppose he's a bit like Ric Flair. Um, a, a, All yeah. coming out now, Rick. We found you out. Exactly. A, a top coat and a, a purse and jade jewellery for Linda's mother. He also got a wig and a wedding ring for Linda as he had to borrow James Lee's wife's one when they got married. So well, um, very opposite to you in terms of clothing. And I'd say uh, the wig is actually uh, quite the opposite as well when it comes to the hair because we know you. the only thing you're not lacking is hair. That is true. That is very true. I've got an abundance of hair and I do dress quite, quite homelessly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so Bruce returned to America in mid-March and got a call from William Dozer telling him that they loved the screen test and offered to sign him to an exclusive contract for um, $1,800, which was $14,000 in uh, 2017 money, um, which was when the, the book by Matthew Polly was, was published. So I just... That's close enough, so yeah, $14,000. Just say that's what it is today. Bruce was making 100 or so per month teaching martial arts, so uh, he agreed to the contract. And uh, William Dozer recommended the agent William Belasco, the president of Progressive, the, pro, uh, the president of Progressive Man Management Agency. Um, yeah, it's not a very catchy name. Better than violence, <laughs> though. Better. Better than Violet, better than that Chris, Chris Lighty bastard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, he, he didn't violate anyone, by the way. It was just his sort of name. <laughs> just, you know. It was a play on words. Play on words, yeah. So Bruce, Linda and Brandon went to Hong Kong for a holiday. Uh, Bruce wasn't able to afford a honeymoon, so I think this sort of like acted as their honeymoon. Uh, the, the number one... That's it is a bit sad, yeah, yeah. Where would you go on a honeymoon? I mean, not it's unlikely that I'll have one, but if you were to have one, no, it's very true. Yeah, it's unlikely that I will, yeah, find a wife. Um, well, I don't know. Um, find well, the thing is, like, I think of how likely it is. I think if I if I live in a world where I could possibly get married. I imagine I live in a world where space travel is possible. <laughs> so I'd like to go to Venus. If, uh, if, if honeymoon. Venus, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, nice scenery. Yeah, make sure I don't go to the bit where... Um, I think it was that Arnold Schwarzenegger went there in... in Mars. The Is that Mars? Oh, I'm staying away from Mars. <laughs> yeah, stay away from that. Don't look nice. To be fair, if you were to get married, I don't think it would be of the human species anyway. So you probably would be on Venus. Exactly, exactly. No bestiality involved. It'd be like an alien or something. Alien. But, uh, yeah. Imagine if like I, I, I'd like there was like an alien who found me really attractive, and uh, <laughs> you let him probe you all day long. Her, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but what? Uh, but what about yourself? Where would you go for your old honeymoon? Hmm. Um, I'd go to Colombia to be honest, and uh, get get on some of those uh, those white lines you've been telling me about. 
I haven't been saying anything. I don't. I don't know what you're on about. But but yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the uh, the 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 pitches, the football pitches over there. Here, like the the bylines are really clear and white and good to play on. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, take my future wife to play a game of forty. Why not? Exactly. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Sniff your lines too. Well, um, uh, yeah. Again, you know, it's illegal. Uh, But but yeah. But but yes, so um, so they went to Hong Kong for a holiday, uh, and yeah, it sort of acted as Bruce's honeymoon because he wasn't able to afford one at the time. And uh, the number one sun project was on hold until July, and Bruce said he would come back from Hong Kong when the project restarted. Linda Lee didn't have a great time on the trip, as it was hot, and Brandon got ill, as he uh, he wasn't accustomed to the heat. Uh, Linda wasn't used to the small apartment um, back where Bruce used to stay in in Hong Kong. Um, the, the, the apartment was was overcrowded, uh, and because you know, of course it was the same apartment that Bruce's family lived in as well. Um, and yeah, Bruce and, and Linda didn't have any privacy. Uh, and Bruce talked about uh, Bruce talked to her family about how Linda made. Uh, so yeah, Bruce talked to the family about how Linda made great spaghetti sauce. And invited like 20 of his uh, closest friends and relatives around. Uh, Linda hadn't cooked for that many people before. And uh, didn't have the ingredients that she had in America. Um, and, and yeah, so I don't, don't think it turned out well. Uh, and also everyone was still like grieving over Bruce's old man. So, um, so you know, apparently the family were polite for, for this trip. Mm. But, you know, they, they were distant. Yeah. Uh, you don't know much about spaghetti sauce, do you? You only used to make the spaghetti but without the sauce. You weirdo. It's true, yeah. He, he, like they, she, I don't think Linda had the um the pasta soup from uh from Wilco's available then. Mm. Talk about a dry spell. You've been living that dry spell for for a long time. Food yeah. included. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing that's wet has touched my lips for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. So um so yeah, um so apparently while the number one son was on hold, uh, the number one son I, I think that was a TV project that they wanted to get Bruce involved with, by the way. I can't I don't think I I think I might skip that out of my notes. But yeah, I think the number one son was like a, a project they wanted Bruce to be involved in. Um yeah. so yeah. Sorry, what's that? So would this have been before Green Hornet then? I mean this was the one they originally had like a pilot made before and it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, this was '65. I think um, Green Hornet was. It's coming up soon, but but yeah, yeah. This, this was before that. So um, so while Number One Son was on hold, uh, William Belasco looked for other projects. Uh, he found a role in a film called Sound Pe- uh, the Sa- the Sand Pebbles about American sailors with a crew a crew of coolies patrolling the Yangtze River in 1920s China. Uh, I think coolies as well. Uh, let me find out what that means again. Coolies. I did have the meaning. Uh, unskilled labourer in, in India, China, or some other Asian countries. Oh, um, sounds like my job, though. Am I a coolie? No, you're very skilled, Geese. Very skilled. Uh, and I didn't know I, I didn't know you supported labour. I thought you supported the Conservatives. Fuck <laughs> off. I'm not sorry. You bastard. <laughs> So yeah, old Bruce, Brandon and Linda were back in the old uh, Hong Kong. And while the number one son was on hold, William Belasco looked for other projects. He found a, a film role 
in the in a film called the sand peoples which is about american sailors uh with a crew of coolies which like steve mcqueen eh? interesting richard yeah. attenborough as well wasn't it yeah david attenborough good old castle was it was he in it or was he like directing it no he was in it apparently yeah good yeah, old castle. he started out as an actor and then he was a director wasn't he yeah good old cast list that mm-hmm. uh, yeah but yeah a crew of coolies uh but that, it's I'm, just I'm... charles robinson although i don't think it's the wwe referee oh he's not not there just you know calling the old mini nature yeah. yeah, he will be a good a good uh that's why they were quality future future reference yeah, a bit of foreshadowing um but yeah i, I suppose uh, that's why they were bollocks episode could be foreskin shadowing so uh so <laughs> <laughs> the crew <laughs> Wait, that was much better than that shit you pulled earlier <laughs> <laughs> oh cheers geezer i take the compliments where when i can <laughs> half a compliment but yeah. half a compliment so uh, so bruce um um yeah, so so yeah, apparently coolies they're like unskilled labourers, um, and and yeah, so that's what the show was going to be about. It was going to be about um, American sailors with a crew of coolies uh, patrolling the Yang Tai's River in 1920s China, and the role was a prominent role for the character Po Han, a Chinese crew member who is drawn into a boxing match against an American bully sailor. Uh, the director decided to go with the Japanese actor Mako I'm not uh, Iwam Satu. Uh, and, and it's almost almost there. Almost <laughs> there. I think I think someone can like kind of make out where it was meant to be. Um, and yeah, Bruce had a backup option of trying to uh, start in a film in Hong Kong. So uh, Bruce, Linda and Brandon went to America in September and lived with Linda's mother, stepfather and grandmother. Uh, with his free time, Bruce taught the occasional class in Seattle and he read his library of books, mostly boxing, fencing and philosophy he analysed his martial arts and he watched 16mm film of Jack Dempsey, Muhammad Ali and, and yeah, w- William Dozer was waiting on the success of the, Bat- of the Batman series before he moved forward with the Number One Sun project. It's interesting as well because like um, it doesn't surprise me that he... I'm su- well, I'm surprised he didn't go back to Hong Kong sooner because it must have been hard for him, it must have been difficult for him. And like it's interesting because you know when he took um, you may mention or not but when he took his wife um his to be wife uh, to see the orphan and like like he didn't say anything did he that he was, he would be in it and then she was there and he popped up on the screen I always thought that was dead interesting like he just kept it on the hush hush that he was a fucking film star yeah I think that was actually even when they were in um, in Seattle I think it was because I think they went into like one of the Asian like uh, cinema screens. And uh, and like the whole yeah the whole he didn't tell the like, the whole of the class that he was a, a film star. Imagine that pop road warrior pop. Yeah, and hope hopefully that's like one day people are gonna be like oh or oh, I didn't you know that I'll, I'll get with a woman and she'll be like oh I just like you for your personality and what have you and I'll go I mean look so she'll go no don't 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 take the, take the piss and then she'll say uh, and and then, and then we'll, we'll put on the, like the, the podcast will just come on you know someone will be listening to it and they'll be like oh shit I didn't know you was you was a podcaster as well you know right. yeah I'll be when you're on Venus that meet that probably yeah probably that that yeah 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 so uh, so yeah so, five years so, continues yeah five years 
goes on. So, so William Dozier was uh, was waiting on the success of Batman before he can move forward with Number One Son. Uh, and Batman, the, the TV series, was a massive success. He submitted a Number One draft of Charlie Chan's, um, so a first draft, I should say, of Charlie Chan's uh, Number One Son, which was rejected by ABC. And William Dozer was buying up the TV rights to various comic book, radio, and literary properties, including Wonder Woman and Dick Tracy. The previous year, he'd secured the TV rights to the popular 1930s radio series, The Green Hornet. And uh, The Green oh, Hornet... Okay. I didn't know, no idea it was based on a radio show. That's yeah. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and The Green Hornet was created by George... W. Trindle and was about uh, Britt Reed, the millionaire newspaper publisher who was also a crime fighter and he had a sidekick, a Japanese valet called Kato uh, and w William Dozer recommended Bruce in the role of, of Kato uh, Bruce didn't like the role as he said it sounded at first like typical houseboy stuff and, <laughs> and, and Bruce he was, he was one of them where he wouldn't apparently like he did turn down roles that like portrayed Asians as like sort of lesser than and he, he was very you know conscious about the mm. portrayal of Asian people which which That's... comes across in his interviews as well yeah fair play to him I mean um, yeah he's even breaking like because he could easily have just folded for you know a bit of money couldn't he like which a lot of people do don't they, they sell out but yeah fair play to him um and yeah, obviously on the uh, as you'll, you'll mention as well, like it was, it wasn't, it was difficult for him on the set as well when when he finally did get the role in Green Hornet. Um, did you ever see like the remake, the film that they made? Was that with Seth Rogen? Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard like it gets slammed, so I didn't. Uh, no, I've never seen. It. Is it any good? No, it's supposed to be absolutely terrible. But it's like it's got a decent cast to be there, but it's. It's again, you know, when there's a character like that, uh, like a iconic sort of character, and you just who, who else could you get to play Kato? Yeah, is, is that you play Kato? How you just surely you can't get anyone else? It's just like it's similar to like the Tupac films, isn't it? The uh, the guy that plays him is amazing, but he's he's, he's not Tupac. Um, also, like when there's a, that, that Vince McMahon film is going to come or the Hulk Hogan film, it's the same sort of thing. Like it gets to a point where someone is just too iconic that. Only them can be themselves. Mm, yeah, definitely. That that two pack film, I think that would be a good. That's why there were bollocks episode in the future one day, because <laughs> uh, there was some bollocks going down. Still haven't um, seen it because of uh, your your loving recommendation. It, it's one of those where it's like for me, I felt about it the same way as I felt about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in a way where I watch it and I'm not like. Oh, that's two hours of my life wasted. It's it's still a, it's a film about Tupac, you know. It's gonna it's gonna be entertaining if nothing else. But it's like it's the potential of what it could have been. It's like oh fuck, there's like you watch Unsolved and you're like that is like that. It, it could have been something more like that, but it was just uh, they should have made a series about Tupac. And hopefully, someone will make a podcast series about Tupac and cover it more in depth. Aye, aye, aye. Wink, 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 wink. Nudge, nudge. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Bruce signed a contract and had a family to take care of, and he had no leverage in this situation. But he still insisted he would only take the role of Kato if his part was updated and modernised. Uh, in the original, Kato's biggest moments were um, when he was doing things like getting the car ready for uh, the Green Hornet, 
and William Dozer reassured Bruce that um, the K.O. wouldn't just be a servant for the Green Hornet. However, he wasn't completely in charge of the show as George Trendle had the final script approval, not William Dozer. So there was a disagreement between the two as Dozier wanted it to be campy like Batman and Trindle wanted it to wanted to play it straight, which meant the show had to be changed from a comedy to a drama because, um, you know, anyone seen the Batman series, it was very campy. And I think that's what they wanted the Green Hornet to be Did like. Did you ever see it? Had a Green Hornet. Yeah. And the Batman Robin as well. I've seen clips of the Batman and Robin one, but the Green Hornet, I did try to watch the first episode. And I think it's one of those where like films from the 60s and that I can watch now today and and very much enjoy them. Where American TV shows, because British TV shows from the 60s, I can still enjoy. But American TV shows, I tried to watch some of the stuff that Bruce has got cameos in. And it's just, I, I don't know why anyone would, yeah. it was just boring as shit. It was, like, mm. you, you're spoiled by, like, when you got, growing up on modern TV, like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, you're spoiled on on how yeah. how good, like, TV is. Because just fuck all, it was, yeah, it was, I, I watched it's, half an episode and I was just like, no, nope, not for me. It's very, uh, very cringy, wasn't it? And like, uh, like you said, and it, it's interesting because, like, with TV, like, only rarely, like, the golden age, we can say we grew up in the golden age of TV because we did, you know, we can't say it for, like, music and other things and maybe, you know, films as well, but we can actually say that with TV because TV didn't start becoming what it was to, like, the 2000s, really, when you think about it, even, like, you know, we, we were lucky in the UK, like you said, but, yeah, some of the shit in America, uh, just, just cringy and, like, just that Hollywood, like, popcorn cliche bollocks, really, wasn't it? Definitely, yeah. And I'm hoping our audience will be growing up in the uh, the golden age of podcasting. <laughs> uh, we also grew up in the golden age of porn, I'd say. I'd say this is described as the golden age. You think so? Are we in that golden age now? I think so. Some of the talent around today just... Oh, what decade did we saw? What's the golden age then? When did it what? start? Pornography. Yeah, yeah. I think this is it, man. I think, I think like... Um, 2010 or 2011 or what? When did it start? Um, we want dates, done it. Damn, you want dates? Around 2012 was like when I think the, the first signs of like uh, that. That's when I think it was. This what what camera did they use? Is that what it was? When they went no. into 60 60 FPS. <laughs> no, it's just just the stars. The stars these days just un, unreal. Just like the, the level. Because I remember when I first started watching porn, and like the people who I thought were the fittest back then. And then the people who I think the, the who are the fittest now, it's like Tori Black for years. She was one of them where it was like, wow, she's so beautiful. She could have been a model. You know, like she stood out from all the other porn actresses. Whereas now, like there's so many like attractive like porn stars. You're like, shit, they could actually become models. You're like, fuck, they look unreal. So it's one of them where it's uh, it's it, just the number of stars, especially British porn as well, because years British porn was was, was lagging, like Michelle Thorne and. At, at Angel Long with like your big stars, but now like I'd say they can compete with the American stars. Now you got Katie Jane and Sienna Day. I mean, it's it's golden age of British porn, especially. <laughs> Fuck, see, you know what? You know far too much. You really need to do a podcast on porn. We do. You, you know too much about it. It needs to happen. I do. Five years. Five years. Yeah. Tory, please listen. Yeah. We love you, yeah. Tory Black. 
please listen, share, and subscribe on on Spotify. That's one over Courtney. Um, yeah. So um, so that, maybe that's what she did. I should phone into the to the to the babe station and 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 just go. Um, you know, if anyone wants to listen to that, that's one over Courtney podcast. And uh, and Ooh, maybe. That's an idea. That's an idea because maybe you know, like you can get like females on there, and you can say like you, you know, you ask them to speak dirty to you and stuff, or or say this for me. Maybe I could get them to say, oh, say, listen to the That's Why They Were Quality podcast, and it's they'll be in the middle of like all their seduction and all of that, or or harder, or harder, or listen to the That's Why They Were Quality podcast available on Spotify <laughs> and Podbean. Oh, more, more, oh, more, Rick stick Rick it podcast. in, you son. What's that? Well, the Rip Player podcast is coming up. Uh, we got two pack. Oh, one more, one more. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. you know. How about this then? We've got an idea. Start mm. the podcast. We ring Babe Station up. Yeah. Oh, I'm down with that. It's a deal. Mm. Talk about promotion. Cross promotion. Cross promotion, mate. So, yeah. So, um, I wonder if there is any Bruce Lee, uh, 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 like female, um, porn um stars uh, fan fans i should say fans who are porn stars <laughs> or, or of like you know or the, the babe I'm station sure there is girls. a lot of porn stars that are fan of bruce lee i'm sure there is as well yeah yeah quite a few of them like always sunny in philadelphia which is good it's good to, you know they've got good tasting uh, in comedy i'm one of the wrestling fans romy rain is he a wrestling fan as well i think so yeah oh shit oh, is, oh, is that well, a roman reigns pun <laughs> of course yeah Romy Rain versus Roman Reigns. I'd like oh. to see that scene. See, Romy Rain as well. She's one of, She's been going for a while. I think like maybe 2012, maybe around the time where she started. Like, she's like... Like, if she was around back in... If she was around back in the day when I was used to watch Katie Morgan and all that, it'd be like, no no comparison. Romy Rain would be, like, top of the list. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, it's a good thing I'm sitting down right now. Yeah. So, um... So, so yeah... What's that, sir? Sort your pants out quickly. Oh, yeah, 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 true. Yeah, I have to get some cleaned. Anyway, uh, George Trendle, uh, he wanted it to be, like, more serious, and William Dozer wanted it to be more campy, you know, like Batman, as we said. And, uh, and yeah, the show had to be changed from a comedy to a drama. And the show only had a one-hour... Uh, one half hour, sorry, time slot a week, as opposed to Batman's um, hour time slots. Um, uh, yeah, opposed to Batman's uh, two half hour time slots. So yeah, hour time slot, uh, and drama and dramas typically having a, a two hour time slot to tell their story. Uh, and I, I think again in in that that episode of the Green Hornet, which I I saw, you can definitely tell. Like there wasn't much time to really tell story. To be fair, in mid March, Bruce, Linda, and Brandon finally moved out of their tiny old fashioned apartment in Wilshire Boulevard in Gailey Avenue in the Westwood neighborhood of LA. And uh, Bruce enrolled in acting classes with Jeff Corey, and these were the only formal acting classes that Bruce took. Um, yeah, yeah, apparently so. And again, by this point, he'd probably been in like 20 films as, as a kid and, and teenager. Um, did, so, um, did he get acting classes or like, just because you think a lot of it was natural and because of his, you know, his family and, and whatnot? Yeah, it could be. It's like Freddie Mercury. I don't think he ever had a singing lesson or he had like one singing lesson his entire life. For some people, yeah, they just have that ability. Yeah. Born into it. Born into it, yeah. Born um, so, 
Born to act and you're just uh, you're born to wank. Yeah, I didn't have any lessons. I just just yeah, just cracked on. <laughs> so, um, Corey taught Bruce about camera shots, lighting, placement, uh, matching, and and how to improve uh, Bruce's dictation and reduce his Hong Kong accent. Uh, I, I mean, again, I, from that screen test, I thought his accent was perfect. I don't know what yeah. I, I, I could understand. Like he had a very, uh, you know, clearly pronounced accent. Yeah. Like, I could understand him a lot more than like some actors like, I see in like old westerns and stuff. Like, I, I, you know, I could I could understand everything Bruce was saying. That's anyway. it. And you know what it pisses me off as well in this day and age is like a lot of, uh, especially on like WWE, you've got a lot of like Asian wrestlers who um, don't get the mic time, even though like, you listen to them on a podcast, like say like Nakamura on Jericho's podcast, podcast, uh, you know, Asker as well, Carrie saying they all speak like actually like really good English. But mm-hmm. when you get put on to do a promo, it's just do you do your Asian thing. Like, WWE, like, I mean, it's no secret, but still to this day, like, there is so much underlying racism in that place. Mm. So, so production um, for the Green Hornet began in June, and uh, Bruce was paid $400 a week, which was the fifth highest salary on the show. Not the fifth highest salary in the industry, uh, no, on the show. And he was the, the second... He was uh, the, the second, second guy, what a fucking joke. Exactly, yeah, second guy. Um, and yeah, so Walter Brook, who played the district attorney, Scallon, got 750. Uh, Wender Wagner, uh, who played, see, it's American names as well, I'm mispronouncing. And uh, Miss Case got $850. Lloyd Coff, who played Mike Axford, got $1,000. And Van Williams, who played Brett Reed slash the Green Hornet, got two thousand dollars a week so so yeah it, apparently it was a rookie mistake to sign with an agent recommended by the producer as the last he, uh, at first he struggled with lines as well on the on the show and he had to really like fight for his lines and show that he did have the acting chops oh yeah he did have to like campaign for his uh his lines and, and we'll, we'll get into it in a second but also with the fight scenes as well we had to campaign to to get them you know to get as much as he could in those uh, and I will say that there's a compilation of the fight scenes in in of that on the Green Hornet, and they weren't what we know Bruce Lee's capable of. Like his martial arts must have came on, or his, well, especially his martial arts for the screen must have came on in leaps and bounds because it it was completely different what he did in that show from what he would do in the actual you know in his films. But at the yeah, same time, this he, would have been like two years before or a year before JKD was was uh, invented, so. He hadn't quite adapted like the the all like the flexibility and the speed, you know, the how efficient he was. Like obviously, look, watching Muhammad Ali and the way his footwork, you know, learning from him as well. So he wasn't quite as polished then. But like yeah. you said, it's hard. It's it's different, isn't it? Showing it for the camera and then and then just doing it in real life. So that that probably took a lot of practice as well, didn't it? Oh yeah, and also was the fact that like he. He was um he just didn't get a lot of time as well because like in in you know when we see his films he's taking on like fifty guys whereas you watch the Green Hornet I don't know maybe he takes on three or four guys or it's a one on one but it's hard for him to display that also it shows the quality of stuntmen as well because in in when he's doing his the Hong Kong films the stuntmen would just be they'd fly through the air and they just make everything look like amazing 
Um, but it is worth watching because I, like, compare it to the other fighting you'd see in like James Bond films, or you would see uh, the the Green Hornet character do himself. Bruce Lee was just like on a, on a different level; like he actually looks like fighting. But at the same time, it's not what what he would he would become to be, in my opinion. Um, but but yeah, so apparently rookie mistake out there for anyone to sign with an agent recommended by the producer, whereas Belasco had struck a deal uh, favourable to William Dozer. So yeah, apparently they must have been in in the old uh, in business together. Um, Stay away from your agents, okay? We're not going to sell out to any agent. We assure you, freelance only. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's totally by choice and not by <laughs> not being picked up. Yeah, total yeah. creative freedom here. Creative freedom. So, so we sell out to a podcast network and do loads of advertisements and charge you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no no sponsors on this this episode, is there? So that's it's good. It's uh, yeah. I hope. Well, hope. You just wait and see. What's that? You just wait and see. Oh no! Oh no! So yeah, well, good segue there, um, because I just throughout. I mean, I have min- I don't drink mineral water while we're recording these. You should know this by now. And I, I like to dabble with the very variants of alcohol every time we we record this. And today I'm on the whiskey. I'm on the straight whiskey on the rocks. It's going down well, and it's a uh, well. <laughs> you'll have you know, it's a new, it's a new drink for the podcast. Another another new sponsorship. So you mean slur me words? It's that strong. We got another one, Lou. Can you guess what it is? I still have the same email address again. I I, I wasn't told about it. Was this, was this through the same agent? Was this through the same source? Your same contact? It's always through the same source. The it, same source. What they've done is they've gonna go and get us a whiskey. So coming to bargain booze near you. If you like to shop at Lidl, if you like to shop, if Neto's still going in your area, quick save the lot, you can go and get this there. Okay, it's the Giesemann's, Giesemann's Scouse Whiskey. Okay, so that is the new one. It's strong, it's bitty, it's fruity, it's earthy, it's fragrancy, it's everything you can encompass in one whiskey. And oh my, it hits home right now. So go out and get your Giesemann's Scouse Whiskey. Lou? We got paid a boatload for this one, son, and it's it's all staying with me. And, and I'm, I've got it in the bank account for us. You know, when we make it big and we need to start streamlining our, our investments and, and all that, you know, you'll have a bit then. But for now, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it all in, in safe, safe and locked away in, in, in the bank account, in my bank account. I'm going to email him here just to or, or give him a text just to let him know my email. There's, not, there's no O in, in Lewis. It's L-U-I-S. Maybe that's where the mistake is coming because I, I need to be told about this. This is, this is, well, I think he, I don't think he sees you in it anymore. I mean, you haven't drink. You, you said basically you drink too much Pepsi and not enough alcohol and um, just doesn't deem you worthy enough for the, the sponsor, I'm afraid. I mean, I carry this podcast. I carry the show. It, these are in his words. I'm the funny one. I'm the, I'm the sexy one. All that, all the above. Um, but these are his words, obviously. Well, because of that, Giesemann's Scouse Whiskey, not that Irish shit, and definitely not that London shite. Get it today. So is is is, is, that the, is he saying that like, I have to drink to be able to get this old, uh, to, to be able to, to, to do this old sponsorship? Is that what he's saying? In, in his words, yeah, in some words, you know, that's not mince words here, but, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's, his, that's what he's implying, yeah. I mean, he's just not fun anymore, I don't think. 
you know, got my health grow, and all that. Yeah. Grow your hair back and then become yeah. an alcoholic again. We we know we want you you going to AA meetings again. I think that's what he wants for you. That's what we all want for you is for you to attend AA meetings again. Uh, I'm thinking about it. You know, it's best for the sponsor, but you know, yeah. it's a hard He's hard balance. Scouse whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Get it today. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Bruce, he moved into a, a spectacular uh, two-bedroom apartment um, that he could afford on the 23rd floor of the Barrington Plaza because he got a tip from Burt Ward, who played Robin on um, on the Batman series, that the manager was willing to cut under-the-table deals for Hollywood actors. Uh, Bruce agreed to give the manager a martial arts lesson um, if he halved Bruce's rent. This lasted for three months until the owners discovered the manager's deception and kicked everybody out. So not, not good in the end. Uh, at the end of May, Bruce and Van Williams met for a press conference for the Green Hornet at the ballroom of the Beverly Hills Hotel. And uh, they were answering questions about the fact that Bruce was Chinese and he was playing the role of a Japanese character. And someone asked Bruce... Won't someone knowing Oriental protest after all Kato is a Japanese name? And Bruce Lee replied, I'm a karate expert, black belt class. He then said, anyone, uh, anyone objects, um, I'll put them on their back, which is ironic because uh, karate in itself is a, is a Japanese martial art. And uh, and Bruce knew Kung Fu rather than karate. So, uh, so the reporter could have just said... Uh, See, see, this is what I mean. See, this is what I mean. You, you, again, you, 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 people, people will know it's kung fu, not karate. Um, or, or maybe it was like an inside joke, like the equivalent of you know of wrestling marks for, for like martial arts. were laughing at this this uh, this part, this little uh, joke what there. They, what would they be called? Um, mark marks. Mark marks. Karate marks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on set, martial marks. So yeah, I think I think these quotes in the uh, in the the press conference, I, I think they were sort of taken like a bit, like sort of as a threat in a way. I don't think they went down well, um, but, but anyway. So so one on set, Bruce Lee was still resentful about his demotion to being a sidekick and was determined not to be treated like a houseboy. When they weren't filming, Bruce would do stunts like putting a diamond on top of a six foot high gimbal jump into the air and kick it across the stage. He would do two-finger push-ups and would challenge stuntmen to arm wrestling contests. Uh, he also liked to jump kick people's earlobes. And uh, so again, <laughs> yeah, no. you, you can see what, you know, before it, I was saying, like, I could see the, the Bruce Lee from Once Upon a Time in, in America, yeah. like how, how that, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, how that might have been, you know, a little bit, you know, could be could be quite true. Maybe this is what I'm talking about. Like, imagine being on set with this geezer. It'd be a bit like, like you know, someone who's like, oh, can I, can I, can I show you this move? Oh, can I do this move on you? Oh, can I do this to you? He's just like, Bruce, come on, son. I'm just trying to fucking do my lines here, mate. <laughs> yeah, good that. he's such a gains monster. You know, like he's talking about uh, just some methods of training as well. Like, I would love to have had a gym sesh with Bruce Lee. Imagine Bruce Lee spotting you. Yeah, I, I see. I I wouldn't be. I I'd be like he he'd be he'd be. He might change my opinion though. He might be like, oh, you know, he might he might actually get me into the old training. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, I fucking hell. Hopefully, no. I don't think anything can. This rate. 
I don't know. If it was like there was like a guaranteed way, like if if I knew how much, how my, if I knew exactly how much training I'd need to put in to get laid, then I'd do it. But it, it's it, you know. But you knew that was your end goal to so see I'm you know, I'm trained to become a PT and it's all about, you know, where your goals, long term, short term, all sorts of goals, yeah. And all your long term your your goal would be is that is if I get laid, then I will do it, then I will train three times a week. I would do your program. If I promised you that was the goal and I had it there, I had like a signature off a woman, are you saying that's what it would take? Yeah, like I mean, I'm not like in a prostitution type way, but like, <laughs> but like, if it was like there was like um like some kind of like confident, it was like this is exactly do seventy hours of training and you'll get laid. I'll be like, I'll do that, I'll do that. Yes, no worries. But it's like because that is the only reason I, I I ever did go to the gym or ever did try and stick to a diet. No, no other not reason. to be healthy, not to feel good, you know, not to be feel good in yourself. Yeah, feel good in myself, therefore feeling good in someone else. That might make me feel good in myself. Yeah, he, he's he, he, that's the only reason I ever did it. Uh, make no bones about it. Yeah, one on uh, on Bruce as well, and just his training uh, found interesting is that um. So we got a lot of his training methods. Uh, so obviously, you know, we train for muscles, uh, strength training with uh, with weight training. He, you know, he liked to go on a lot of runs. He was uh, flexibility. He did the, the whole, every sort of type of training he did. And a lot of the training methods he got was from a wrestler. And it was the wrestler was called the Great Gamma. And he was mm. like a shoot wrestler. So when wrestling was, was real, pro wrestling was a real sport. In the 1800s, he was about then. And he, um, he had like encounters with Stanislas Sabisco and the likes of that, and probably um, Frank Gotch as well is in there. Um, so, like, he, I think he he helped popularize the squat, the Hindu squat as well. This wrestler, so mm. Bruce Lee was a big squatter as well. So, um, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, apparently the great Gamery had an undefeated career of more than fifty-two years. So he's probably one of the greatest shooters of all time. Or he just had his hand on the book. That's true. Yeah. Most likely that. Most likely a bit of that. The Triple H of, uh, of, of back then. <laughs> the, medi- the medieval Triple H. He was, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah and he was um, he was only uh, five foot seven, and his build weight was two hundred and forty pounds. So mm. I, why uh, why Bruce was uh, was copying some of his training methods and um, them them gains. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, but yeah, so around about this time, um, he was on on the old set, kicking people's earlobes. You know, he's doing all right for himself. Um, and and apparently once uh, he had to. Uh, apparently, what happened was once he actually accidentally dislocated a set designer's jaw doing these these kicks. So he had to stop kicking people's earlobes. Um, so you know, <laughs> probably for the best. Probably yeah, you know, probably for the best. Uh, making this was the first time that Bruce had dealt with elaborate fight choreography and the first time he was dealing with doing his martial arts in a two-dimensional space, um, you know, on screen rather than on stage, which is a three-dimensional space. So on stage, people can see you from every angle. So to sell a punch or kick, you have to land millimetres away from someone. However, on screen, you stand three feet away. Um, so yeah, you don't have to get as close. Um, Bruce Shea couldn't get get used to it. And so when he would be doing close quarters combat, the, the stuntmen would get injured. So also Bruce had to slow down because at the end of the first episode, they all went to view uh, Bruce's footage of, of a big scene that he'd done. 
and a big group gathered and watched the footage and bruce's actions were a complete blur uh, so that that whole thing people say like oh was it a, yeah, really true that you know bruce lee was so quick you know that they had to like slow down the footage or what have you and it's like yeah i can believe that i think that was actually true that's crazy that it's like yeah. a photo finish Mm. that's that's something like if you if you anyone out there type into youtube uh bruce lee fight scenes slow down and you'll you'll see that, that mm. there is movements in there that you don't actually see if when you're watching it like there's there's things that are so quick you don't actually see them like mm. in in the fist of fury there's this bit where um like in the big dojo scene we, we talk about when we get onto the films later but one of the guys tries to go for bruce's arm and bruce like sort of back fists him like away and you're thinking, oh, that's what he did. It was just a back fist. Then you, you see it slowed down. He went for, to he went to punch him, then pulled back, then did a back fist in that time. Like, I, you completely can't see the fucking like yeah. the, the faint in there. Like it's mad madness. That's so cool. Yeah. I wonder if someone like uh, timed him. You know, like just like with a stopwatch and just seeing how like quick he could do certain things. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Saint Balter run for his money, eh? Would he probably said to someone like, uh, you know, I'll bring the old stopwatch on, and he's go, uh, uh, he said, I've just done it. Oh, give me time to press it. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, I've just done it. For fuck's sake, Bruce. Oh, all right, fine. So, uh, but yeah, but yeah he, he, and that's another thing I, I think maybe why the fight scenes weren't what they would go on to be is because Bruce was not only adapting to actually like learning to fight on screen and yeah. being further away, but also being slower than he usually would be. And so I think you can you can kind of see. Because Bruce, Bruce, when he would do his fight scenes, he there's no bones about it. When he was fighting people, he, he'd be working strong style, and he <laughs> he would, and he would actually get martial artists in to like play the big roles and stuff. So he could, you know, he could be a bit a yeah. bit harder. Uh, with this though, you can definitely see he's he's trying to control his, you know, not to uh, injure anyone. He's trying yeah. to control his, what he does. So that, that's so, probably a reason. Yeah, that's so mad though. He basically had to slow. His movements now for the camera to see. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just one of them. I, before doing this research, I always thought, oh, maybe that's a bit exaggerated. No, no, I think that's true. I think it's true. Um, yeah. So no, it was you. It'd have to be the the opposite, wouldn't it? You'd oh yeah, they'd have to, to speed forward. it. They would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine just picturing you now doing the slowest punch ever? Yeah. Did he actually? Did he do anything there, Lewis? Did he do? No, he's still halfway up. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, stop should be very long. It's like the uh, the, the stop watch when you're taking a dump. I have a lot in an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, would be, would be, uh, yeah. So, um, no, yes, here with your bowels now. What's that about the bowels? Irritable bowels, irritable bowels, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm irritable in more ways than one. And my bowels are very, very, they irritate a lot of people. My bowels, they do actually. A lot of people being irritated by my bowels. Come on, we need to go in here. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, so so the thing about uh, Bruce be, yeah, being too quick for the camera seemed to be true there. After a talk with uh, with Van Williams, Bruce agreed to slow down and stop jumping around on set as well. Uh, and after he did this, you know, he got on great with everyone. Uh, and I imagine, you know, another thing he also had to overcome uh, was not confusing all the, all the Williams that were in his life at the time. Because there was Van Williams, William Dozer, then his agent comes along. His name's William Belasco. 
Sprite for fuck's sake, come on, mate. She's, she's ridiculous. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to yeah, acclimatize myself, you know, to, to the American accent and the American. But then you just just too many Williams. Um, and and uh, yeah, and and that was probably his biggest adjustment. Another thing that calmed Bruce down on set was there was a stunt coordinator who went by the name of Gene LaBelle. We legend. He, he was a legend, yeah, legendary pro wrestler and a world class judoka practitioner. And some say he was the inventor of mixed martial arts. In fact, in documentaries, you you see him hear him say like, "Oh, if Bruce Lee was the grandfather, I'm the great grandfather of, of yeah. MMA." And there's a case for that. Some people have said he is the, the inventor of mixed martial arts. Yeah, I, I would. It'd be hard to disagree. And it is a man that again that is those people that whatever they do, they're good at. He's a you know martial artist. He's a pro wrestler, stunt performer. He's act on act them. Uh, yeah, he's done a lot, and he's yeah. His notable students would be Roddy Piper. One would be Ronda Rousey as well, and there's probably many or many others on there. But there's there's a couple of notable names for you as well. So he's a legend, and he's still alive as well. He's 88. You know, it's looking it looks good for his age as well. Looks very good. Well, um, there's become a master of judo, and and you'll live that long. There you go. That's how easy it is. You say easy. I doubt it was easy. Uh, we're not we're not live we're not living in Cobra Kai where you can pick up a martial <laughs> arts in in like two minutes. Uh, again, karate people they must be up in arms in it. Apparently, uh, so. he had beef with Steven Seagal as well. What Gene the Bill? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently Gene LaBelle, well, we had had a bit of beef with Bruce at the start. You could say because he would pick up Bruce. Well, I don't know Bruce maybe had beef with him. Because he would pick up Bruce and walk him around the set, uh, which angered Bruce Lee. Um, however, doing this got Bruce to lighten up a bit more, and they became good friends, actually. Um, and Yeah, yeah, and, and Bruce actually asked uh, LaBelle if he could teach him some uh, some wrestling and judo, and then in return, Bruce would teach him some kung fu. And we, we definitely see that, especially like, if you watch like the scene from Enter the Dragon, specifically oh, yeah. that that first the one where he's fighting Sammo Hung. Yeah. You can definitely see some of them judo throws. It, it just in yeah. general when he's fight scenes, you can definitely see where the wrestling and judo, some of the leg yeah. takedowns. It's a good point that, you know, because uh, just watching it, I'm like, fuck like he looks like he's versed in everything. Like he's judo throwing, he's wrestling. Like that that's not real common for a for kung fu for a martial artist, um, is it? So at, at that point especially. So yeah, it's um Again, like like I said on the, the previous part, it's like he his contacts and who he met throughout his life and how it was like, right, I'll train you, you train me. All that, that really that really shaped who he was and shaped what Jeet Kune Do would be as well. So he got, he got quite lucky but fortunate that people that he met along the way were so helpful to him as, as he was just as helpful to them. Yeah, it's, it's part of his, his philosophy where he's like, um, and I, I'm, I'm probably not getting the quote wrong here. I'll see if I can maybe insert it. But he said, like, uh, use what's useful and disregard everything else, I think is what he's saying. And it's a good like philosophy. It's like, as you go through life, you use... I, I often say this when I'm, I think about write, writing and like taking feedback from people. It's like, listen to everyone's feedback, but you don't have to take it. Take what's useful to you. Uh, but you don't have to take everything. Like someone like gave me like feedback on on the podcast saying you should shorten it, um, and I was you know I didn't think that was a good idea. But, oh, but I then, don't worry, I've had the exact same feedback as well. 
Exactly. People yeah. People say that though, that they don't get it. I don't think they'll get it. I don't think they will get it. But you know, but yeah, but but but, he, but some of his feedback was useful in coming up with the idea with, with um, that's why they were bollocks. And I was for uh, and yeah, so some of it was was useful. I was like, oh yeah, and then that that made me think of that idea. So just use what's useful, you know, and and, t- and disregard all the other bollocks, you know. Yeah, there you've got it. Put that on a stamp. Yeah, yeah. But also talk, talking about this is um, earlier about how the the scene from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might have been inspired by an incident. I think this scene here, where this this incident here, where Gene LaBelle would be picking up Bruce Lee and like and like like you know walking around with him. I think that's where a lot of people say that that idea came from. That was the incident it was based on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So Bruce also had trouble with the lack of dialogue in The Green Hornet. Uh, He and and Dozier wanted more dialogue, but Trindle was the one who wanted Kato to be more in the background. And as I say, uh, Trindle had final approval. So uh, they did a Cato-centric episode called Praying Mantis, where a Chinese restaurant gets targeted by a Chinese protection racket. And at the end of the episode, Bruce has a Kung Fu challenge match, which although only lasted 30 seconds, he had some great fly kicks and uh, and some great deadly blows in in the scene. And I watched the scene, actually. It's, it's, it's worth a watch, that. And it was the first time people had seen Kung Fu on American television. Um, and although it added depth to Bruce's character earlier in the episode, Kato did get ambushed and knocked into a bin. And at the end of the episode, everyone gathers for dinner at the Chinese restaurant to celebrate, except for Kato. So 50-50 booking at its worst there. You give him something <laughs> and then and then you disrespect him. Like you, you book him like badly the next moment. He was always a mid-carder, that Bruce Lee, that Kato. Yeah, he had, he had to start his own promotion. He had to be mm. the... Uh, he, 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 well, no, he had to go off and join a different promotion. He had to go to Japan. He was like AJ Styles. No, mm. no, no. He was like like Cody and the Bucks. Went yeah. to Japan, then started their own promotion. And, yeah. and hopefully they don't, you know, don't die at a <laughs> young age. <laughs> I think they already may have uh, passed Bruce Lee's age, to be fair. Well, most of them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder, wonder what happened when they get old, the old young bucks. I mean, I know there's a lot of legends turning up in uh, in AEW, but could you imagine Bruce Lee in AEW? Oh, oh, imagine that. Oh, right. him and him and uh, him and the old Arn Anderson have a five star classic. <laughs> also, by the way, Arn Anderson, even though you know, it's just a side tangent on that. In when he, he did got involved in a bit of physicality, he still looks good. For his age and with his, you know, health concerns. <laughs> Arn Anderson has looked 40 for the past 30 years. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And hasn't he, he's got like, you know, Alzheimer's and all of that. And you obviously had to retire like relatively young. Uh, and he's still like, you wouldn't be able. It's like WrestleMania 18 when he came and did the spine buster. I'm like, fuck's sake. Like, he, could, he still looks like he could go. He still looks like he could fucking put on a show. Sad, sad. Do you think uh, if Bruce would have lived long, like how do you think he would have remained in the shape he, he was in? Would he have, how would he have been? Would he have been an actor? Would he have been like a fighter? Would he have been involved with the UFC? Or, yeah, what do you think? I don't think so. I think by the time UFC like came, came about, uh, I mean, maybe if he started his own thing, he might have been involved in the early UFC because the early UFC was no rules. So maybe that would appeal to him and maybe he'd get involved there. 
But by that age, he would have been. Could like, change his stance, though, couldn't he? He could change his opinion on 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 some of his aspects, you know. Oh yeah, he could. Yeah, it's true. Very true. But I think if he was to to stay alive, because we, we talk about like later on, we talk about the game of death. Um, if anyone wants to see, like, watch the Warriors' journey where they they play like the footage from the game of death, which didn't make it into to the film that they released after he died. And oh my god, it's such a shame that film didn't like like get finished because it looked fucking sick like bruce lee's acting he like he, he continued to develop what's that so he's fighting in yeah. the choreography uh him as a director and a producer as well he'd he come on in all of these aspects like the, the stars he had in it kareem abdul jabbar was in it he was yeah. gonna get the uh, well george lazenby was in talks to, to be in it and i imagine if bruce survived he probably would have been in it like yeah. The amount of people and the amount of offers he got by the time he died. Just, just think, think as well, the eighties mm. that were like for action films, like in that and you know, fighting scenes and all that. Like that was when it started to really peak, really, man. Could you imagine? Oh yeah, I, I think if he was alive today, he'd be like, he he'd be. It's hard to say. It's very hard to say, but I I think yeah, he he would have been the one of the biggest stars in in the world like he, yeah he'd, he'd be he'd probably be in an expendables movie with Stillone, with Stillone, <laughs> to be fair but still he's instead be, of jet lee instead of jet lee yeah yeah um yeah but yeah i, I think i think jet lee's probably the closest thing we've come to bruce lee in a way because you know, jackie chan's obviously big but he's a completely different kind of martial like kind of actor to bruce lee i think jet lee's probably the closest we got to bruce lee and i i don't think he comes close to like the level of star power but, uh, but still, Jet Li's good. You know, go out there and watch his films. <laughs> yeah, uh, promoters now, Jet Li. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so Bruce Lee would propose his own episode idea, um, and one of them was called the Cobra from the East. In in the episode, the Green Hornet is sidelined by a deadly poison, and Kato had to find the cure. Um, and Bruce wrote a thirteen-page proposal that was never used but he would incorporate parts of it into later projects. Um, I'm trying to think what Deadly Poison that would... Uh, well, I suppose Fist of Fury, you could say, that Deadly Poison. But he didn't write the screenplay. But, uh, yeah, you could say maybe, maybe that's where that came from. Um, but, yeah, while, while filming The Green Hornet, on the fifth episode of the series, a German model and actress for this brand, uh, brand, brand uh, was on the show and Bruce and Fordish began seeing each other, according to Brent, this is, by the way, uh, and she was filming on a different sta- uh, soundstage. Uh, in a, and she was so in a, it begins. So it begins. Uh, she was she was in a film called In Like Flynn, and, and Bruce himself, you know, he, he got In Like Flynn. You know, yeah, yeah. it was ironic. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Bruce apparently went over to, to see her in his Kato costume, and obviously got, you I know, Kato. that's it, they're on. Possible. <laughs> I mean, Bruce Lee is one of them where like, I'd be turned on by him if I was. Um, and and, and... Yeah, it's a bit of role playing, are you? Oh yeah, no matter what he wears, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh. But yeah, yeah. Ideally, not wearing anything if I was. So, but yeah, apparently Bruce went over to see him in the Kato costume, and obviously, like Kato is uh, the valet, and you know, I, I imagine he wasn't wearing the mask. Um, so he just looked like a valet apparently and someone like mistook him for a valet and wouldn't allow him on set uh, so until Brandit had to tell them who he was uh, so that was the kind of like sort of racial profiling that, that mm. Bruce Lee would encounter in in America 
Um, I bet you like that's the thing as well. No one, Bruce, you probably would know Bruce. I don't know Bruce, but knowing what we've talked about, I bet he wants to beat the level of the shit out of that person, but he really couldn't. He just had to hold back and uh, you know, grit his teeth. Oh, yeah, it's, it's one of them where it's, yeah, like I, I wouldn't if someone if Bruce Lee was walking by, I'd like, I'd, 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 I mean, the, the balls of that guy to not let him on set. I mean, that guy's dedicated to his job. You know, maybe, maybe you know, and he's a bit ignorant of uh, of of racial racial um, um, prejudices. But like having the the balls to say, oh yeah, I wouldn't allow Bruce Lee on set. It's like fuck me, that's dedicated to your job. Bruce Lee walks <laughs> by, like, well, you do what you want, son. <laughs> I'm not getting involved. Jesus. But but yeah, but apparently Bruce, um, apparently Brand it Brandt. Well, I'm gonna call yeah, I'm gonna call her Brandt. Apparently, Brandt didn't know Bruce was married, but actor James Arnis, who I think was in the, the series Gunsmoke, um, was in an off, uh, who was also in an off and on again relationship with Brandt, hired a private investigator who found out Bruce was married, uh, and when Brandt found out, um, when Brandt found out, she broke off the affair, and apparently Linda never knew. So, uh, so here, here we're seeing, you know, Bruce, you know, getting. Getting involved uh, in the old uh, the old extramarital affairs, right? Here. Just dirty dick, dirty. Getting it, get getting about, you know. Uh, when when marketing the Green Hornet, the press focused on the, the human interest interracial marriage of Bruce and Linda and their biracial child. Um, it wasn't until a year later that interracial marriage was made legal, actually across the country. And I'll quickly turn to the pages of A Life by Bruce Lee by Matthew Polly. So I think he, he actually put a little bit about what some of the press was about. That's mental, you know. Like, so was it, was it legal where he was? and Or would he just... Uh, was it laxed? It was like, obviously, it probably wasn't completely legal yet, but the, it, it was like a laxed law. Yeah, it's like, you know, like in America, I mean, it's like... Sort of similar to how like marijuana is now, like how it gets legalized in different states, and hopefully eventually it'll become legalized everywhere. It's like I think it was like yeah. that where it was like it was legal in some states, um, and then I think it was same with like um, what you call it, uh, same sex marriage as well. Right. It was like legal in some states, and then state by state it like became legal. So I think that's that was it. Yeah, I think it was like in the process, but not you know. It was wasn't completely like legal across the country until till a year later. Um, but yeah, I think. What's that, sir? That's crazy. It is, yeah. It's it's one of them where it's, uh, yeah, it, it's one of them where it's 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 it's, it's sad, very sad. Um, but but yeah, apparently. Um, so yeah, it was it was a uh, the Supreme Court's decision to make it. Uh, legal was in the decision in Loving versus Virginia case in 1967. Um, that's when, yeah, mixed race marriages became legal across the country. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so it's seen as a bit of a novelty, you know, this interracial couple. As some of the headlines for these profiles were Bruce Lee, love knows, love knows no geography. Bruce Lee, our mixed marriage brought us a miracle of love. Bruce Lee, I want my son to be a mixed-up kid. Um, I mean, oh, yeah, no. yeah, I mean, he's just trying to promote his TV show here, and it, it's it's puts uh, puts news of the world. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, 
it's, it's like cause usually when I see people walk out of interviews, I'm like, oh, that's a bit prima donna-ish, you know, as well. It's not very nice of that. But in this case, I'd be like, look, mate, just I'm trying to, like, I can understand if he was like, I can't be asked for this, fuck off. <laughs> Is this but where anyway. the sun got their inspiration from, you think? Could be, could be. Uh, yeah. The reviews for the Green Hornet weren't great, and despite it beating its rivals in the same time slot, Tarzan and the Wild Wild West, uh, which it beat for three weeks, uh, the rating drop, dropped away after that behind the competition. Uh, in an attempt to boost ratings, Dozier started filming two-part episodes and asked for a crossover with Batman and Robin. In the episode uh, of Batman and Robin, um, where but when they would have this crossover, uh, Kato and the group Green Hornet would lose a brawl to Batman and Robin. However, Bruce wasn't happy uh, with with the scene, and he would throw the script uh, down and walked off set. Um, he didn't want to do the job, you could say. Yeah, basically, you know? yeah. They want to put them over. Yeah, he, he, he's, you know, I've, I've written here, actually. I wondered if uh, if somewhere a young Shawn Michaels was, was watching this, you know, you know getting some inspiration. Getting <laughs> some ideas. Yeah, maybe that's also like as, as well as teaching, like as well as Gene LaBelle teaching him about judo and like some of the amateur wrestling. Maybe taught him some pro wrestling, taught him about you know when and where not yeah. to do the job and how to protect your spot. Maybe that's what he taught him. The politics and yeah, that's it. Politics is way to the top. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's, but it's true though. Sometimes you've got people do take the piss in life, and sometimes you do have to just say, oh, no, no, just, yeah. hold on, I'm not doing that. And obviously it's hard to do, especially you've got a wife and kids and you need to make an income. But if he had the balls to do it, then, like, you know, fair play. Because because people will take the piss if you, if you let them walk over you. And, uh, and Bruce, yeah, stand up for himself. You know, you, you're, you've been made aware of that time we discussed in the previous part with the uh, the whole uh, dressing up as a woman thing, you know. You, you didn't take it, you didn't stick that bullshit and you haven't been you haven't dressed up in drag ever since. Yeah, yeah, no one's put earrings on me ever since, and and yeah, you know, people will walk all over you. You know, they'll they'll just they'll just send send sponsorship deals way past you without even seeing yeah. you. Don't even let you know. And, and I, I, I'm over it. I'm over it. Whatever. He's yeah. a scout whiskey man. Listen. <sighs> yeah. Like uh, like fire water. <laughs> yeah. It's that shit. You know, with the Green Hornets as well, it only lasted one season, didn't it? I think so. Um, let me have a look, actually. Green Hornet. I've probably written it down somewhere. Uh, Green Hornet TV show. Was it two, maybe? It's 26 episodes, apparently, so I imagine... Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was... Oh, then again, it's an American TV show, so the episode, the, the series, they have a lot of mental... So yeah, twenty six episodes, but that was all one series, yeah. But so in, in in Britain, it would be like the equivalent of having like four series, but um, with with some Christmas specials. But but no, yeah. So yeah, one series it did last. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he wasn't happy with with the scene uh, with with his position in in the episode, so um. So Bruce complains that that no one would believe that he would lose a fight to Robin, and it would make him look like the laughing stock of the world. Um, and the, the complaints they made their way up to Dozier, 
and Dozier asked Van Williams' opinion, uh, who you know agreed with with Bruce. Of course, Van Williams, who who played uh, Green Hornet. So when they were filming, Bruce played a practical joke on Robin and approached him with a very serious expression and dead eyes. And Robin backed away from Bruce, saying, "Remember, this is not real. It's just a show." And Bruce cornered him, and one of the stuntmen shouted, "It's the Black Panther versus uh, the Black Panther and the Yellow Chicken." Uh, which caused everyone to laugh. Oh God. Yeah, but, but apparently Bruce, Bruce and Bert, Bert were good friends anyway, so Bruce couldn't keep a straight face uh, when the stuntman had said that. <laughs> he was proper training, like pro wrestling a bit though, weren't he? Like proper, uh, yeah, she was like shooting on set, when he can't, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it's a work, it's a work. Like it's a... <laughs> What was it, undertaking you? What's that, sorry? You can just imagine him now, can't you? yeah. It's it's like it's like the Undertaker. I can't remember which opponent it was, but when someone was like laying into him strong, Undertaker said, "Do I owe you money?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'll tell you, what the last ride's good for one thing. It has told me Undertaker, like Mark Calloway, does have a good sense of humour because this whole locker room leader thing. He, he's always talking about so seriously, but he does just seem like a nice guy who's got a good sense yeah. of humour. Yeah, no, I agree. That's uh, he's been doing loads as well. I didn't see because apparently he came out in Survivor Series, but he went on Hot Ones recently. Oh yeah, it's a good episode. I have to give that give that a go. Um, but but, but yeah, so I think he did get they did get the scene changed. I wonder uh, um, like how many times Bruce on set did come head to head with people like that and like wanted to beat the fuck out of them, you know, fellow actors and. Yeah, I imagine it happened quite a bit, and like you know, probably injuries as well. Like I imagine there was a fair bit of injuries on set with, you know, when performing stunts and fights. Oh yeah, yeah, that that would be a recurring theme: injuries in in Bruce Lee fight scenes, um, throughout his life. Um, but 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 yeah, I, I think like you know, it, it kind of works because he did he did get the scene changed, and he got a bit more of a shine. I think like they got the scene changed where it was sort of ended off off in like a draw, like no one got the better of the other. So sometimes you've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do, you know. So in, in April 19, um, you know, so you've got to politic your yeah. way sometimes. At least you ain't carrying the switchblade around with them anymore. Exactly, exactly. It's come a long way. Come a long way. In in April 1967, uh, the Green Hornet was cancelled. Um, as you say, yeah, only one series of the show was made. Um, so Bruce Lee thanked uh, William Dozer for the opportunity. And he did learn a lot making the show. Again, you know, without this experience, I don't think we would have got the Bruce Lee films that we did. This is how he learned how to translate fighting in real yeah. life to fighting on the screen. I think you're right. I think without this, um, the transition, it was like a like a transitional phase, isn't it? You have your transitional champions and like, yeah, without this, you probably wouldn't learn a lot of the tricks of the trade when it comes to acting. And that. You know, it's definitely not one of the best things he's done, is it? But, yeah, he obviously, it was a good learning experience for him. Definitely, it was like his Carabao Cup. It was like some good <laughs> minutes on there, you know. Yeah. Got he's got his name out there, got some money, uh, and he also got got a lot of fan mail from the show. So he was starting to get a little bit recognised uh, by fans of the show. So um, while while filming the Green, did he have a stalker like me? You know. Well, I know. I don't, I don't know what you're on about stalker. I mean, we we got that nice fan mail from that that bloke. That was nice, you know. It was very yeah. It's, oh, nice, nice guy, isn't he? Nice guy. So while filming for the Green Hornet uh, was winding down, Bruce opened a Los Angeles branch of the June Fat Gung Fu Institute, and Dan Inos Inosanto, who had been training secretly for a year, 
uh, with with Bruce and was an assistant instructor for Ed Parker, uh, quietly invited a group of Ed Parker students for an open house seminar. So a little bit of a stealing the promotions, uh, promotions talent in a, a bit of a ta- not a talent raid, but an, like an audience raid, you could say. Um, and yeah, after the seminar, everyone jumped ship. They all, uh, all went over to, to Bruce's um, Kung Fu Institute. And Bruce made Dan Inosanto his assistant director. Um, and Dan Inosanto also says he was the one in 1964 who put two bits of wood attached by a chain into Bruce Lee's hands and taught him how to use him. Um, of course, those two bits of wood were called the nunchucks. Um, ah. Yeah, so apparently it was... Sorry? He didn't discover them until he was in the US then, yeah. Apparently so, yeah. It was him and him, Danny Nasanto, saying that he's the one who um, showed them to him. Um, and of, of course, Danny Nasanto, he was going to be on, be going to be in the game of death and be in that nunchuck fight with Bruce Lee, uh, which yeah. is is worth again. People watch the Warriors Journey because you see like you know Bruce Lee's vision for it, and oh, it looks sick, it looks fucking sick. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't imagine they originated in the US though. Like nunchucks, I'm sure that was a traditional Asian thing, wasn't it? Yeah, apparently it was a rice flail. So apparently, yeah, proud of like a practical use, and then it was just adapted to maybe be some weaponry. So yeah, mm. apparently so. Um, yeah, but yeah, Bruce Imagine was. you with a pair of them in your hand. How would you think you would fare? I don't. I don't, I mean, I don't know like how well you can like you know get through your super noodles or your Uncle Ben's microwave <laughs> packets with one of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how how good they would have been. I, I did have some like plastic nunchucks when I was a kid. Actually, um, yeah. it was it was. I, I think Jackie Chan might have like he like 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 used them because I think I had some Jackie Chan branded ones. <laughs> what were you doing with Jackie Chan plastic nunchucks as a kid? Well, it'd be like when when I'd be doing the play wrestling with my teddy bears. When it gets serious, it's like some you know some like like Triple H when he brings out the sledgehammer and you're like, oh shit, it's getting serious now. Like for me, yeah. it'd be oh, Sanctuary's got the nunchucks. Oh shit, it's getting serious now. <laughs> Jesus, don't imagine your teddy's lasted long. No, I don't know why wrestlers don't use. Oh, that's a good idea actually. You use nunchucks in wrestling. That'd be. A, oh no, no one does that. Well, someone should do that. That would look someone sick. Someone might right? take an eye out. Yeah, we, it's it would all have... right if you've got like a badminton rally like Jim Cornette. Yeah, it's not the same. That is true, actually. It's probably. <laughs> it's, oh, come, oh, come oh, on, Maggie. Come, what are you saying now? That's just, oh, just again. We're sorry for the, the views of Maggie. They probably hear in the background just spouting off about some of the. the, the you know, just, uh, just no time for it. You know what? We're even talking about the Puerto Ricans, and and you're going there spouting this. You're disgraceful. She doesn't need nunchucks, yeah. Oh, 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 that is just... <laughs> that is, like... I, I can understand, right? Like, some of the things... Like, you, you have your concerns and your political viewpoints. But it's just ignorant, Maggie. Ignorant. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. the, the Dominicans... Nothing to do. Nothing to do with... Nothing to do with Bruce Lee. Nothing to do with Bruce... Oh, I mean, nothing to do with Vietnam either, Maggie. You know? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, she, she disagrees, would you? We could have this discussion all night, Maggie. I mean, it's 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 one of them where, like, I mean, if you voted for Nigel Farage, you could for you, <laughs> but, but I'm not. I don't like his policies. No, don't worry. She's not a Tory cat. That's good. That is good. That is good. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Again, we apologise for the views of Maggie. They're just oh, disgraceful. Disgraceful. Advisory needed. 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, apparently Bruce Lee was very, very selected, very selective, um, like he was with his other schools. It didn't allow any racist cats. When we went, got in there, Maggie. Um, and, and and Bruce understood that the fewer students he had, the more prestige his school would have. You know, the the less is more. The the selective, uh, selective, be be selective. Which is of course why we we chose to have this low less listenership. We we decided, you know, that the less people know about it, the more prestigious. Yeah. So that's that's natural selection. Natural selection. Oh, cut. Don't you see? Mentioned natural selection, and and Maggie's getting involved again. Just ah, oh, just she can't help herself. No, oh, she needs her meat jelly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just. Oh, again, we apologise. So, so for the first few months, Bruce ran the school like a boot camp, focusing on physical conditioning such as fitness, flexibility, basic punching, and ad kicking drills. Um, I don't add kicking drills like kicking a, a, a billboard. I don't know. Um, and, and members trained four times a week in, in grueling two hour sessions. At the fourth month, the fitness program was eased off um, as people started to leave. Um, and so Bruce yeah, would train who was who was left. And I, I think like making it really hard at the start was kind of a way of weeding out like who yeah. wasn't committed. Um, so, yeah, I go with this workout program, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not for me, but um, no. I mean, you you wouldn't like. How long do you think you would have lasted? How many minutes? A good, a good, a good three minutes. Did um, it? Yeah, yeah. it take it probably take me a while to like to uh, to 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 um, to to get my training gear on, and then as soon as That's I've done true. that, yeah, you'd be knackered then. Be knackered then. I would be knackered. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so apparently there was no uniforms, there was no ranks, no coloured belts, um, no no bows, um, not not like no going to the toilet. I mean, no no oh. bow to people. That was yeah. Uh, people that, got to have bows. People got to have bows. I mean, that's just unrealistic to say you train this martial art, you can't have bows. I'd be. So I'd be that way, non-traditional. It was really done. Oh. Maggie, again. <laughs> Maggie's very traditional cat. Very traditional, bad traditions, bad traditions. Traditions, she's got too many traditions, that cat. Those, those, you know, they're the very, very prejudiced species. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 so like when you mentioned without, uh, there's even no belts, like having no belts and anything like that shows again, it it emphasises, reinforces how non-traditional he would be in his methods. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was one of them where he um I I can completely understand it because it is like a, it's it's like an arbitrary thing. It's like that it's it, it's like what does black belt mean? It's it's like it's like getting we use a lot of wrestling analogies, but it's a bit like what does the world title mean if like anyone can win it? It's like it only has as much like as much meaning as someone assigns to it. Uh, like it, it just is just like a, uh, I know it's hard to say because some people work their whole life to get like a black belt. So I don't want to disrespect them, and they will probably <laughs> if they have a black belt. They could probably kill me. Probably kill <laughs> yeah, kill yeah. me anyway. I, I just uh, keep shush about this. Yeah, if they if they had a belt from accessorized, they could probably kill me. But that but it, but you but get same, killed by a nerf gun, you? I would, I would. But but at the same time, I can I can understand how Bruce. You know, he didn't want to put all of his like all of his you know. Not, I can understand not believing in belts. Basically, I can get that. I can get that. The classes had an average of had an average of twelve people. Um, they started off with some uh, calisthenics before proceeding to basic techniques such as footwork, punching, kicking, uh, and trapping. 
Um, yeah, so he, play, he placed a lot of emphasis on on the old footwork. Yeah, I know. Did this this appeal to you? This old training training method. Yeah, definitely. Calisthenics is a that's a interesting one as well. So like they're very it's like warm ups, body weight exercises. So like obviously with Bruce Lee, he clearly trained for muscular endurance. So like the reason he's like ripped to shreds and. It's interesting because later on, for some of his, one of his films, I know he gained like a bit of weight and he was doing more strength training. But he did a lot. Yeah, a lot of Bruce's thing was was muscular endurance, so how long you could go for. So he'd do uh, strength, but like a, with a lot of reps. So that was interesting. That's why he was ripped to shreds. Like I've looked at some of his training programs and just the amount of ab exercises he would do. Like you need to just get you need to get doing a few of them at least. Get that little pot belly off here. You know you've got the the beer belly back, haven't you? Well, not not beer, because you know, as you know, because I wasn't included in oh, the, uh, sorry, the the free Pepsi, the Pepsi Belly, Pepsi Belly, sadly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and talking about like the um doing the um, the like the sort of the ab exercises, they were talking about like how on set for like uh, the game of death, apparently he would be like doing you know those V exercises you could do. They had v pictures ups. of him. What's that? What's that? Sorry, the V setups, V ups, yeah. V ups, yeah. And apparently, he could hold that position for ages. I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but apparently, he could hold it for like an hour or something, something ridiculous like that. I'm like, Jesus, that's mental. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I've got that down here on me uh, on me notes somewhere. Actually, uh, the the exact time. Mm. Um, let me just have a look if I can find it. Um, yes, yeah, so it says so. Apparently, he sat in the V shape upwards for thirty minutes, which is, I'll give it a go. And we'll time it, but I, I don't think I could do 30 minutes. What do you think? Could you do 30 seconds? 30 milliseconds, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, my goodness. They, they have to slow my workouts down to see them. Like, in, in, in time, like Bruce in many ways. But, uh, but yeah, oh, that's, that's madness. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, how many sh- abs did you think Bruce had? Did he have 8, 12, 9? He had quite a lot of abs, didn't he? How many abs is it possible to have? Because I, I, I've heard about, like, 8 packs. Is that a thing... <laughs> it is a be Bruce Lee. Yeah, he probably he probably had. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure to be. I think the abs, like the ab definition, came like um like when he entered the Dragon Times. I think that's like around the end of his life. I think that's when his abs were like absolutely like like the the the, the cheese grater abs, as they say. Where you like that was ridiculous definition. Um, yeah, I, so, I I I think pretty best six pack in the business. I'd say. Oh yeah, in the biz by far. I mean, Finn Balor, close second. I mean, it's, mm. it's neck. Yeah, yeah, it's a close one. Close one. Apparently, the school wasn't a massive commercial success. Uh, he was just about breaking even, I think. And so that they, yeah, they used to train at his house. And Bruce was one of the first martial arts instructors to use protective gear, such as boxing gloves, headgear, chest protectors and shin guards uh, traditionally karate students would train bare-fisted and stop just before making contact however bruce found this to be unrealistic um, and and also in in when he was doing these demonstrations as well he was one of the first people to apparently to introduce like a uh, contact sparring um, as you can see in like the, the footage of the demonstrations where they, they are actually making contact uh, but just wearing protective gear but yeah, apparently, yeah, Bruce would do this because he found this to be um to be more realistic than you know stopping just before making contact, you know. But obviously, which is which is unrealistic. 
and Bruce didn't charge for these lessons. He gave them at his house because they weren't really lessons, apparently. It was Bruce experimenting with new techniques for his own system, um, which he actually would give a name for on the 9th of July, 1967, which was in Cantonese, Jeet Kune Do, or in English, Stop Fist Way, or more broadly, the way of the intercepting fist, which when he would explain it on Long Street, that's what he would call it, the, the way of the intercepting fist. And yeah, Bruce said there are opportunities to strike an opponent before he attacks, during his attack or after his attack. He said, Jikundo means to intercept before he attacks, to intercept his movement, his thoughts, his motive. And yeah, and Jikundo, we probably mentioned earlier, was a mixture of different styles. Uh, he, he took the footwork from boxing, the yeah. kicks from kung fu, and one of the really most important things that he did, which was the incorporated techniques from fencing. Because he, his yeah. brother Peter was an elite fencer, and he used to fence with him. And Peter showed him like the basics. Uh, and Bruce, he you know practiced. And next time they they went to like fenced, like apparently Peter couldn't touch him. Like Bruce was that good. And if you just see the way he stands, he stands yeah, like yeah, a fencer. it's true as well. Like yeah, no, I was just gonna say the exact same thing. Like the way his footwork is, and like his body language as well. If you look at a game of fencing, then I mean, fencing, there's no offense to any fencers out there. It's not, not the most exciting thing in the world to watch. But just mm. in terms of your posture, in terms of like body language, in terms of that sort of thing, um, yeah, it, it, I can see why you, you, it'd be effective in a fight. It's very light, you know, um, very flowy. Nice and, nice and flowy, Artem, as Conor mm-hmm. McGregor would say. Uh, yeah, just with uh, with JKD as well. It's about the conditioning, the combat realism as well. So, if you've seen a lot of kung fu films in the past, before that, and even now, um, a lot of it looks a bit like too sort of choreo- choreographed on it. It's a bit, it's a bit yeah. cheesy in a way. Like there were so many uh, kung fu films where it was dead cheesy back in the day. So what JKD was just all about how um, the realism, self defense, how how it actually looked on the street and survival really. I see at the end of the day. Definitely, yeah, and, and just visually, it made him stand out from the way people were fighting him. Like, because just this this fencer like stance, um, combined as well with with the dance training he had, like obviously the cha cha, and when he was was um, uh, with his previous girlfriend Amy Sanbo, who like he used to try and learn different dance techniques to impress her, like ballet, which you can all see, like combined with his fencing, just made him move so differently to everyone else on screen. And you can understand why like he did less less actual moves than other fighters, um other Kung Fu actors. But the way he moved was so like it 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 was like he, he could do less but make it seem like more like it yeah. just looked like visually just changed the, the way fighting looked on screen and and also something that i think is quite understated is the way like that his fight scenes did influence video games in a way because if you see like the, the two way i'm not there's a bit of reach to say but you know the two ways how the fighters sort of stand off and they're like standing diagonally sometimes and they go off towards each other. It it does. I think uh, Bruce Lee films did influence that in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, man, no doubt. Like Street Fighter, Tekken games like that. They, they, those mm. games wouldn't exist without Bruce Lee. Again, oh, yeah. popular popular culture, pop culture. Why is uh, the influence he's had, the long standing influence? Again, it crosses over. We've said into films. I mean, I made 
my comparison with like Neo and the Matrix and probably a lo- load of other action films. But also, yeah, like that does go on that with games, fighting games. Yeah, no doubt, no question. Definitely, yeah. I mean, and also, like in so many of these games, there was actually a um, like a Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee like characters, like Bruce Lee lookalikes and stuff. And Bruce Lee had his own game as well. I do have it on Game Boy. Sure I remember being as a young kid, it was quite. He did, yeah, yeah. It was, oh yeah, yeah. I remember. I see if I can find it actually. And I remember as a kid, I used to love it. But it was, it was one of them where, like, if you try and play games from like five years ago, let alone fifteen years ago, they look completely like out of date. So it, it's one of them where um, I imagine playing it now wouldn't be very good. But but back then, I used to love it. I bet it looks nothing like Bruce in the game. Pro- probably not. Potato no. graphics. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I just remember, yeah, walking around Asda. Just uh, playing that game, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's it's mad, like you know, like when you're a kid and like your parents will say to you, oh, don't, oh, "I bet you'll grow out of this one day." And it's like probably like eighty percent of people that's true, but <laughs> for, for us it's like I'm still into I'm still into wrestling, I'm still into Bruce Lee, I'm still into most of the oh, same yeah. shit I was into when oh, I was a kid. I, I will happily admit I didn't grow up. I haven't grown up a bit. I, I haven't, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to pledge that I probably will not grow up at all moving <laughs> forward. This, this, will, this will not change by the time I'm 70, hopefully if I live that long. Uh, I, I, you know, hopefully I live longer as well, uh, live longer than 70. But I, I was still like Bruce Lee, I was still like wrestling. I would still sadly probably watch as much porn as well. Sadly, yeah. Oh, that's that. I mean, just look at our, uh, our next lineup of podcasts, it says it all. Is that, exactly, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I didn't listen to Tupac when I was a kid. But you, but you did though. You was a, a, a rap fan a lot earlier than me. Yeah. So with JKD as well, just to sort of wrap up on just um, how important it was, influence, and just what it, the just the, the tech, I like the technical side of things. Me and so like it was there was like there was five ways of the way it attacked. So the original five ways of attack would be it goes number one is a simple direct attack, and then you two would be attack by combination. Three progressive indirect attack, four immobilization attacks, and then five attack by drawing. So like, if you see it now in like an MMA fight, yeah, just mentally picture that that sort of that uh, that method and that sort of it's like a chronological order to it. And you're like, okay, fuck yeah, you can see that influence now. You can actually close your eyes and just picture uh, you know some of your favorite fights or fighters. That's pretty much how it is. Like that's it's the simple simplified version of how, how fighters fight that's it mm. and he mastered he mastered those um, technicalities definitely yeah and it, it was very much like in his fight scenes it comes across as well like intercepting people's movements like before if you watch other people's fight scenes it's very like stop start robotic whereas bruce lee he'd he'd kick someone and in the same motion kick someone else while they were moving forward it wouldn't be like a stop start type thing like it would you know it's 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 one of them where yeah you can you can definitely see his philosophy on screen bruce um he had 68 books on fencing and bruce described jikundo as uh, fencing without a sword uh, unlike boxers who placed their weak side forward Bruce uses a fences on guard position, a strong side facing forward, a right hand extended as if holding a sword, and left heel raised and cocked to explode off the blocks. When bridging the gap... So unorthodox, isn't it? Just... Mm. Oh, yeah, d- definitely, yeah. 
but you can definitely see where it'd be effective. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. Just, I imagine like coming up against that back in the day, especially, you wouldn't know how the fuck to defend against it. No, not at all, yeah. And so so Bruce practiced Wing Chun at a close combat distance, but with Jeet Kune Do, he stepped back, and Bruce was very good at reading his opponent, and Jeet Kune Do was a, a flexible martial art, and it could be adapted to fit the situation. Uh, and, and Bruce Lee, we, he said it's the style of no style, and what he, what he said is he sort of, like, in some ways, regrets even writing it down, because what Jeet Kune Do was meant to be something that would be ever-changing, more like a philosophy to martial arts than a style of martial arts, I suppose. Um, and and Jeet Kune Do was, was less about like specific stances and techniques, but a, a philosophical approach to martial arts. Um, and and here, well, here's the quote that I was, I was mentioning earlier. Adapt what is useful and reject what is useless, uh, which is, yeah, a good way to approach life. Definitely. Um, so many amazing just quotes by him. I mean, I was going to sort of end off on the, this part with some of your favourite Bruce Lee quotes, but I guess we could just do it right now. I mean, do, do you have um, some favourite ones of yours or any standouts? Yeah, well, to be honest, when I was editing the intro for it, I, I never come, I never, like, you know that famous Pierre Burton interview? Everyone talks about the famous quote about, well, there's two famous quotes from that. One was, like, Beat Like Water, you know, the, that from the Long Street series, and then also how um, under the under the sun uh, we are all uh, under the sky we are all but oh, under the heavens we're all one family, uh, which is a great quote. But I, what I really liked, and I thought what was like like sort of inspires me a bit, is when he says um, when he was filming the Green Hornet, he was wasn't being himself. He was he was trying to find external security, and he says don't he says be yourself, have faith in yourself. Don't look for a successful personality and duplicate it. And I thought that was that's, that that was just like yeah, that's what you need to hear as you as you you you're up at seven a.m. like you know editing this podcast together <laughs> and then and then having Good to time. to get on the tube and yeah, it's like yeah, that's what you like. It is true. It's like b- believe in yourself, be yourself. Don't just try and find someone who's successful and duplicate it. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people should should take that advice because it is be be yourself. We only live once. Wouldn't you want to like live as you rather than pretending to be someone else? That's it. Yeah, it takes you to it takes a while to to realize that as well, for, especially longer for some people. Some people don't go the whole life without realizing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I only realized it this year. To be fair, that's why I've stopped like working out. I've stopped trying to. You don't like, enjoy those things, but the thing is that that's okay. Who gives a fuck? Some people do, some people don't. Exactly. Yeah, it was like you know who it was when I went on that first date, and people were telling me all these things. Oh, you should say ask her about this. Don't I oh, remember? Don't call her a geezer. And I was just thinking to myself, and I, I did it. Oh, okay, Maggie. I don't want it. Like, no, tell me, don't be telling. Okay, I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to call people with that word. That word, you shouldn't be saying that word, Maggie. That's just ridiculously offensive. That's just. Just, just oh just again i apologize but 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 it's 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 one of them where like yeah like um so don't don't be calling a calling her a geezer and all of that and thinking back now i'm just uh, next time if i ever do go on a date before i die i'm not gonna give it i i'm not gonna give a shit 50 50 there i'm not gonna give a shit i'm gonna call her geezer i'm gonna i'm gonna be myself i'd rather as 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 the famous philosopher Mike Mizanum once said, I'd rather <laughs> someone, I'd rather someone hate me um, for who for who I am than love me for someone I'm not. And I think that's another good quote. 
Yeah, uh, the core. I mean, I wouldn't compare the Miz and Bruce Lee, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty good quote. <laughs> what Just about a, yourself? What uh, what what quotes have you got? Uh, so many good ones. I mean, one recently I. I I looked at was um, it's not quite as impactful, but just just for me and what I'm doing with my life at the moment, just uh, long term consistently trumps short term intensity. So that's mm. a really good one for anyone that say I'm gonna be putting on to training programs or or just yeah, it just it's apply that to the gym. But the, I think the thing with what I really like about Bruce Lee is um, and his quotes is they can be applied to physical aspects physical workout but also mental and just everyday life and they all sort of like they all sort of roll into the one. Oh yeah that that's spot on as well like if, if you if anyone watches the warriors journey at, right at the end there's this bit where um, after they, they play the game of death footage i think it's taki kamura who's one of his instructors he talks about how um he would go to bruce lee's grave like a few times a week and he'd see people from like all over the world come in to like pay respects and he'd say to them like some of them weren't even like martial arts fans and and we would like have a chat with him and he'd say no no i wasn't like a fan of his films or anything i was just like just like the way his philosophy like the way the things he said have like helped inspire me to do this and 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 it's he's really so true there. It's like it's it can be applied to anything. He's arguably known more for being the philosopher than the actor. To be fair, I bet you more people know of him as that than than than, than have watched Enter the Dragon or some of the other films. I think he's he's just he's he's one of these people. There's rare times where you get people who are, are bigger than they're bigger than what they do. Like they're they're a symbol. They're a symbol for they're an archetype. He's an archetype for strength. In the same way that Marilyn Monroe, she was bigger than an actress. She was an ar- archetype for for being sexy and, and for class. Same same for like uh, Kennedy and Audrey Hepburn's another one. Uh, and it's same with Bruce Lee. He's an architect for strength and and determination. But it is one of them where people will go like people probably say, "Oh, who do you think you are, Bruce Lee?" Who probably don't even like know who Bruce Lee is. He's just he's grown in. Sadly, like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> he is the architect archetype for like you know a wrestler. <laughs> and it's one. Yeah, that, that's well. Maybe maybe now it's changed. Maybe now I'm pretty archetype for being a racist as well. Maybe that's where Maggie, <laughs> that's Maggie gets her inspiration. But I think but, yeah. yeah, Maggie watched a lot of Hogan knows best. Yeah, yeah, he he doesn't know best, Maggie. He doesn't know best. Yeah, just think yeah. if a, like obviously if you're not that inclined with Bruce Lee and you are listening or you don't even know some of his like most famous quotes, I'll just I'll just rattle off a couple and it'll give you a you know a good idea of the type of man that he was and the type of inspiration that he did speak. So one here is Oh he, Maggie, come on. I, I don't, <laughs> I, it, I, look, look, that quote, like you're giving me a quote from Enoch Powell. That's not it's not it's not I, I don't want to hear it, Maggie. I don't want to hear it. Racist. Racist, racist. Who says if you spend too much time thinking about a thing, you'll never get it done, which is true. So I apply this to. Um, so you've heard of the law of attraction, haven't you? So like the things that you attract in life, you, you'll get. Yeah. But there's also a spiritual law within within that called the law of detachment, and hmm. it's also how you 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 um you detach from what you're thinking. So like you don't. But it's, I think it's all linked to anxiety and not overthinking about the one thing. So. You get in your mind what you want, and then and then it's there. Then it's it's always going to be in your mind. But the more that you think, and the more that you over worry, um, the more it's, you're just going to overthink it essentially, and it's not going to come true. You have to detach from from the, that way of thinking. So oh, yeah, I think what I was going for there. 
I can definitely see that. It's a bit like with um, like when I stopped worrying. Like recently, I stopped worrying. Like my idea, like for comedy in general, like the aim was to be successful, which obviously is still the aim. But now my aim is more just not to give up. Just whether it turns out good or bad, as long as I'm still doing it, that's my main goal. And once I started doing that, that's when like you know the the thing for the writers, uh, the what you call it, news jack happened. That's where I got to top ten of that competition. Like that, that's where, like, you know, starting the podcast and all of that, you know, that's where this stuff, I finally started mm. to actually do stuff because I, I wasn't worrying about failing anymore. Oh, get the Clemens going to need the Kleenex out here. <laughs> Deep up in this sun, bitch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got the Kleenex out, out for multiple reasons. You know, Bruce Lee has inspired, has inspired a lot of Kleenex in the, in my bedroom. you got the tabs up ready. And now oh, I'm not yeah. talking about the acid ones, although you've already got three. <laughs> oh, that's illegal. yeah. Just a few more. I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. That's powerful. Mm, very good, yeah. yeah. Not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't don't pray to have an easy Champions League draw. Like, just make sure your squ- your squad's like rehearsed, so you can go there and you can you can you can beat the top teams. He's got lucky. We didn't get lucky. We had the game of death the year we won. We had PSG. We had Napoli. That was a difficult group. FC Militarian. You couldn't even beat them. Oh, you mean this year? Oh, yeah, this year it was. No, that was a hard group. Atalanta and, and Ajax. I still think that was a hard group, you know. Oh, I, I, I think. Well, last season, maybe it would have been a hard group. I'm not sure how good Ajax and Atlanta. No, Ajax beat a team like 7 1 or something. 11, 13 0. They beat a team 13 0. I still think they're a good team. A wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. Oh, I like that. That's good. Absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. Uh, Definitely, yeah. Mistakes are always forgivable if one has the courage to admit them. That's a good one. Mm, mm, Yeah. I I, I wonder if that's how he explained it to his wife. (laughs) <laughs> every time <laughs> every time yeah i admit i, I did cheat on you <laughs> got admit the... it, so that means i'm forgiven yeah i've got i've got the i've got the courage to admit <laughs> my mistakes and find out a better way not to get caught next time <laughs> i fear not the man who has practiced ten thousand kicks once but i fear the man who has practiced one kick ten thousand times so again oh, yeah. Equals perfection there. Yeah. The more... he's kick- kicking the same person 10,000 times. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. No wonder yet man got brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're not alleging that he virtually <laughs> killed it, man. <laughs> Imagine conspiracy to commit murder. Bruce Lee edition. Uh, there was sadly a serial killer called Bruce Lee, by the way. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was a Brit- British arsonist. I think he killed like thirty people or something like that. I don't remember specifically. <laughs> Did he name himself after Bruce Lee? No, no, no it was called, like it was like Bruce, and there was two middle names, and I think his last name was Lee. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Bruce George Peter Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of the regrettable <laughs> Bruce Lees <laughs> like, out there. They've got to uh, put the two uh, middle names like that uh, so they don't get it confused. 
that would be a much more like I'm, I'm, that, that, I'm, I'm glad they didn't make that 30 for 30 like that the two Escobars the, the two Lees like, the two Bruce Lees <laughs> two Bruce Lees like oh yeah group Bruce Lee is really inspirational and then just an arsonist killing killing people in in Hull I think it was just uh, sad he's from, he's from Manchester that makes sense oh goodness We're, again Manchester people <laughs> don't get offended we're not saying you're arsonists or serial killers. Apparently, he's the son of a prostitute as well, so uh, that makes sense. Uh, uh, again, prostitutes out there who get offended. We're not saying your sons are going to be serial killers or murderers. Just in this example, it did happen. <laughs> uh, uh, so I guess I'll just end on one more. Um, so yeah, if you love life, don't waste time. For time is what life is made up of. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. But there's just, I mean, you could go on all day. There's just uh, countless Bruce Lee quotes. And I always just think, like, did he say these in, like, multiple interviews? Like, how many interviews did he possibly do over time? Yeah. I imagine it's one of them where it's, like, like looking... I imagine, like, maybe, like, looking back now, these are all, like, famous things. But I imagine maybe at the time... There, like he was, he was like a bit. People were just like, "Oh, come on, bro, shut the fuck up!" Like, <laughs> like, like you know, like yeah, you know, like Del Boy, like Del Boy had very similar like inspirational quotes, like you know, who dares? But but when you're watching the episodes and you, you like Rodney and all that, are just like, oh, for fuck's sake, Del, stop going on. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's what it was like. You're waffling now, Bruce. You're waffling now, Bruce. Like, yeah, imagine that was one of his quotes. Like this time next year, we're millionaires, geezer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but yeah but yeah no that's uh, yeah powerful quotes and anyone who, who walked by a London tube station um in I can't remember when it was quite recent about a month or two ago there was a whole board he had so many like you know inspirational quotes they did fill up a whole board of his quotes um so yeah there's many out there to to go and find so so yeah so so we'll um, we'll pick up the story next time um when Bruce Lee he is uh, we'll pick up the story as his TV career and his career in Hollywood takes a a he takes a triumphant turn yeah. then in general Hollywood takes a very tragic turn um and we'll get to that so some some triumph and some tragedy coming mm. in the next part of the series um and yeah thank you again old geezer yeah, thanks, Lou. Um, yeah, definitely interested there. So we sort of went through the the, the mid sixties there, and and sort of how his into Hollywood wasn't it? We sort of uh, summarised his in when the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet's a big, big part of his life. That that's how he got started really in, in the whole um, in Hollywood. And uh, but the next four or five years, it's it's crazy what it, how many films he'll do within such a short span of time and have them be so successful. So that'll be an interesting one. And uh, yeah, I've had another good time with you, Lou, as per usual. Hopefully we made you laugh. So if you want to do the deed, do the thing, and follow us on all the socials, that's why they were quality on Instagram. That's why they were quality podcast on Facebook. And the website, that's why they were quality.com. And uh, yeah, drink a um, drink another uh, Giesman's Scouse whiskey on me. I mean, other whiskies are available as well. You know, there's uh, you know, don't have to drink that one. But yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, thank thanks very much again for li- for listening, geezers. Um, you know, and and it's been been an amazing time as always. And I hope you enjoy it. And um and and hopefully you join us on the next one. More more content to come. And yeah, thanks again, old geezers. Peace out, geezers. See you in a bit. This one came a little dragon, Bruce Lee. His hands and feet, fast, powerful 
take